Well, 
Welcome back to the show. This is the Readiness Report, and this is episode lucky number 13. Yeah, this will be the lucky number 13, all right? Yes, <laughs> yes. So, so uh, before we even get going, we have a very special guest uh, this evening, and uh, a guest that has been uh, in his life also, but also for the show, uh, not short on controversy. No, not at all. So we've been fielding uh, just comments all week on controversy. I think the thing to remember about this show is it's, it's entertainment. We're just, you know... His opinions aren't going to be our opinions. It's just an interview for entertainment. So right. it's one thing I'll keep in mind as people watch this. I mean, I think people think we're sponsoring the guy. Yeah. It's kind of the. It's, it's, it's definitely been interesting. Uh, while, you know, one of the things about Roger Stone and really anybody we have on the show is just because we have somebody on the show and, inter, and, we're, and I'm not saying we won't agree with everything or we will agree with anything. But when we have people on the show, they're strictly here for an interview. It's not like we're endorsing their opinion or that we agree with everything they say. And, uh, and quite often we may not agree with something they say. And with Roger Stone, right, there's a lot of people that, that love Roger. There's even more that don't love Roger. There's people that disagree with him uh, and his methods. And all of that's okay. Yeah, yeah that's the okay. thing is that's, I mean, how many times have you watched like a morning show or something, you've interviewed someone that maybe is controversial you don't like? Yeah. It doesn't mean that the show endorses those opinions. So, right. Yeah. And that's the thing to keep in mind so people don't get overly triggered today. Yes, yes. Because he may say some things. He may say some things. So <laughs> who knows? Who knows what, what Roger's going to say? And we've had a, a slew of really great guests on for this show. And, and uh, Roger Stone is no doubt one of the more interesting characters we've had on the show. Next week's show, we're going to have Doc, uh, General Petraeus, yeah. General uh, David Petraeus, uh, who was the CIA, director of the CIA for a short period of time, a year. Uh, he was... Uh, a four-star general led the the army and the ar arm war efforts in Iraq for a little while. So, you know, a guy who is uh, has an amazing career, and uh, we have a lot to talk to about that too. Yeah, that's gonna be a good show. Yeah, so we got we got a few really cool guests coming up, uh, and a few that are that are in the near future, like Dakota Meyer. We're gonna have on. I'm excited about uh, Medal of Honor award winner, and uh, and a whole bunch more. And we will, of course, keep to our roots. Uh, of bodybuilding and fitness some too. It's not just going to be uh, the Roger Stones of the world or the, the generals of the world. Yeah, but it's nice to have these, yeah. these different guests because, you know, it's, the world isn't just bodybuilding and fitness. No. And you know what? Uh, when we started, when we decided to do the show again, I think it was an important decision to cover the rest of the world because so many, you know, 13 weeks ago, the world was just kind of entering a period of, you know, where we're at, Tur turmoil, right? Turmoil is a good word. Yeah, turmoil. And, uh, and I think that there's no way to do a show right now without talking about what's going on with the world. And, and me and you made the conscious decision to not just talk about the easy stuff, the low-hanging fruit, you know? Yeah, and I think that's the thing, too, about this show with having Roger on because he's controversial. Now, I mean, most people, I think, I don't know, now you can't have an open conversation. Everybody gets upset yeah. about everything, and I think it's the perfect timing for it. And people are probably going to think maybe some people might think it's not tasteful, but it's just a, just a conversation. Yeah, unfortunately, um, the, the way of the world right now is to get triggered and upset by things people say. Everything. And it's like on a hair trigger. And uh, honestly, for, for us at Red Kind of One, you know, we're not going to be affected by the, the beliefs of people that are going to push it on us. We're going to do what we're going to do. And I hope that people enjoy it and are entertained by it, they like it, they find value in it. And if you don't and you don't like you don't like what we're doing, then, you know, that's the great thing about America. You don't have to watch. You don't have to listen. You don't have to buy anything. Nope. nope. Well, it's yeah. just like you don't have to go to the gym if you don't want no. to. No, <laughs> that's the that's the, uh, that's the big thing that's that I always find fascinating in in these times is that you really don't have to do anything. So if you don't believe that gyms should be open, guess what? You don't have to go to the gyms. Don't, you know, don't go to the gyms. Restaurants should be closed. Don't go to restaurants. You know, it's it's, it's pretty simple. So um, let me remind everybody that we have a question and answer segment, and question and answers uh, can be going on right now. The question is the very least. 
And we actually have something really cool new on the website called community, where you can actually text in uh, and ask your question. So if you're watching this and you rather, instead of putting the question on Facebook or on, uh, on YouTube, you want to text it in, we have Ryan over there. We can show the Ryan camera, backstage camera job. Are you sure you want to show that? Yeah, go ahead, show him. Just for a second. That's enough. That's enough. Um, so, uh, um, who's the person hiding behind Ryan? Oh yeah. There's Christian. In there down there's Christian. It's really weird. There's Christian over there. So the phone number is five, six, one, four, three, I meant four, seven, three. Let me start over <laughs> five, six, one, four, seven, three, four, six, seven, three. And why there is, it is on the screen. Why is Ryan giving on his personal cell phone? I know he told me he wants everybody to call him. It's Ooh. mainly girls. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. Um, and of course you can ask your questions here on YouTube. If you're watching on YouTube live or on Facebook live. We're here and uh, we'd love to get your questions. And if we don't have a lot of time to ask questions to Roger, although we hope we will, uh, we'll definitely be answering questions after. So, Ryan, is that glitter on your shirt? Yeah. No, he's, he's okay. Um, so, let's start with the news. The first thing that I found very interesting that's going on, I've seen this before we even start talking about it, was guns, guns in the airport. So, one of the things that, you know, I think almost any American knows, you would think, is you can't travel on an airplane with a gun. Wouldn't you think? Well, you'd think, but you actually can. Yeah. Well, no, you can you can package it and put it under right. the plane. Yeah, you, you can't, can't have it concealed on you. Right. But... So, I mean, you can't, for example, you can't go through the, uh, put it through your bag. No, no, no. Scan. You have to have special Yeah, so people, what people are doing now is, um, because you have so many new gun buyers, because, I mean, fear and uncertainty causes people to buy guns. Yeah. People who... You can't even buy guns right now. They're all gone. Yeah. So people who are, who are otherwise, you know, a lot of them are anti-gun, uh, who are now purchasing guns because they realize, oh, shit. I mean, actually need a gun, you know, and now they're scared, they're buying it. And a lot of people don't, I guess, don't know the rules and are carrying guns, on, trying to carry guns on the plane. Air travel itself, as you saw the airport journey showed in July, is down 75%. Uh, 25% of the travelers are traveling now uh, in July from, from last year. But the gun confiscation rates has actually tripled. So there's three times the amount and uh, one-fourth of the amount of actual people going. So all you can think of is, that these must be new, new gun owners, and eighty percent of the guns are loaded. Yeah, loaded, loaded. Yeah, and which is crazy because that means. So, so if you think of like the whole cascade of that, right? You have all these people who don't know anything about guns, right? Don't know gun safety. Got a loaded gun in their bag in the airport. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. But again, that's back to what fear drives. I mean, you know, I I collect guns, I shoot guns, I don't and. You can't buy. There's stuff I've been wanting to buy and I can't get a hold of just because everyone buys it up. Yeah. So it's like I find something, I buy it, just stick it in the safe just because I'm like, oh, I need to get it just because it's going to be gone. And it's true. You know, but then you got people that are doing this that have no idea what they're buying. Yeah, no idea. Don't even know how to load no it. No idea how to use it. Yeah. yeah it's, it's funny. So, um, you know, our friend Austin Weiss, who we're going to have on the show in the near future, we just uh, talked about. Yeah, yeah, he'd be great. Yeah, he'd be great. Austin uh, owns Grind Hard Ammo and uh, he actually manufactures ammunition. And he uh, sent me a clip of him today on a, on a podcast talking about the ridiculous demand that he's running his machines making ammo 24 hours a day seven days a week and can't keep up with yep. the demand that uh that literally he can't even buy he's trying to figure out how to buy primers you know from other countries he's he's very fortunate to have licensing to do all that stuff um but man it's uh it's getting definitely getting crazy out there where people are stockpiling you know ammo and guns like like crazy and a lot of them obviously don't have any idea what they're doing because they're bringing it with them <laughs> the plan. and like you said yeah you can you can technically Take a gun, put it in your bag. And you have to make sure that you let people know you're transporting a weapon. It's got to be locked. And, and, yeah, and, and it can, but you can't carry it onto a plane. You certainly can't carry it loaded on your on your person through the through the airport. I actually know a guy, and I would say he's my friend, but probably not so much. 
who uh, who who had one on a private plan. Look at all the stuff they found. Crazy people. Oh, that's my throwing star. Oh yeah, that's your that's your oh that's your house. That was actually that was actually my bag. Oh, all okay. that shit in one bag. Yeah, you always take that stuff to there. That's my torture kit. Yeah, yeah, no, no problem. So um, he went on a private plan, and he assumed that he could carry a gun onto the private plane. And to be honest with you, I probably would have thought so, too. Well, yeah, I mean, because you're probably bringing anything else on a private plane. But because he had it concealed on him when he was walking through the airport, one of the dogs that you've seen in the oh, private shit, airports yeah. before smelled the, the gun the on powder. him. And, and he, and the, the, the sheriff or whoever, said, hey, do you have a weapon on you? And he's like, oh, yeah. And he took, showed him, and they arrested him. Even though he had a concealed permit? No, it was because he's in the airport with a concealed. You can't but do he have a concealed weapons permit or not? No? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know all the details. Um, okay, next. College football. Uh, you're a big college football fan. I'm not so much a college fan. Uh, well, you're more than me. More sure. so, yeah. But not so much anymore after all this shit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's, it's, it's Sports interesting. Sports in general, man. It's like, oh, I can't uh, even Listen, believe. I'm a... I, well, I guess I won't save my opinion. Um, <laughs> I just... Sports are entertainment, right? Yeah. The, I get it. It's a very tense political climate, but using it for politics, I, I don't really, I don't know. I'm not going to pay to have someone else's, again, because everybody has a different point of view, yeah. right? And sports are one of those things that tend to be agnostic in a sense. It's just entertaining. It's a sport. It used to be anyway. Yeah. And now it's being turned into a political platform. And I'm just not a fan of that. That it's no. like, that's not its intended use. I get it's it. It's escape. It's escape. Yeah, it's entertainment. And that's, you know? and that's the thing is that I get it. There's a lot of visibility. All these people are watching, but I mean, what if you don't play? What if that's not your point of view? And for the paycheck, you're forced into it. And it's like, so I'm not a big fan of that. And then now with the, you know, college football season essentially being canceled. Yeah. Um, the big 10 is canceled. That's the, that's the, the announcement. From yeah. And the big, big 10, I think what pack pack 12 as well, mountain West, um, you know, I hate to say it, but, Think about from a voting standpoint, college age students, they're young, millennial, probably very liberal. Mm -hmm. And something like this is going to sway because it's going to look like this is a Trump decision. It shut down because of how COVID's been handled. Right. I mean, that's just my personal opinion. Yeah, well, I can see it being that for sure. I, I think that, you know, one of the things I always loved about bodybuilding is uh, bodybuilding doesn't see color, doesn't see uh, certainly not uh, religion. I mean, so you'd have. Uh, ben Weider um, would tra travel to during you know, Ben Weider was Jewish and he traveled to all the Arab countries in a time where there was a lot of uh, strife and um, the Arab countries welcomed Ben Weider in because for bodybuilding, they didn't care. They didn't care he was Jewish, they didn't care they were Muslim. It didn't matter that somebody was black or white or whatever. Everybody was doing the same thing and there was a camaraderie about bodybuilding and fitness that you didn't see in other, uh, in other parts of the world. And I'm not a big sports fan. So, uh, but I will say, you know, I felt like a lot of that same, you know, same thing carried on into other sports, but obviously these days things have changed. Bodybuilding, fortunately, as far as I can tell, is still the same. Where, still the you know, same beauty passion. Yeah, same <laughs> beauty passion, same shit. <laughs> uh, but, you know, there is the, the really positive thing is when you look at Mr. Olympia, nobody's thinking, oh, well, you know, Mr. Olympia is black, or Mr. Black, is Muslim, yeah. or Mr. Olympia is, you know, this. They don't think about that. Yeah, there's been more, like, more African-Americans that have won, yeah. held more years of, of the Mr. Olympia title than anyone. Yes, of course. So, yeah, um, it's about the best physique that day. That's it. Okay, so next on our list, Amazon taking over JCPenney's and Sears to speed up delivery. So, you know, this is like I feel good and bad about it. I feel bad because all these strip malls are being taken over by uh, Amazon, which is a sign of the times, obviously. Amazon's It's going to be like a movie crazy. idiocracy soon. Yeah, there'll be no stores. Brought to you by Carl's Jr. It's going to be everything's going to be Amazon. <laughs> like, everything will be Amazon. So Amazon has literally... Uh, decided to pick up a lot of these spaces. So um, 
obviously JCPenney and, uh, and Sears are out of business, but there's lots of these strip malls that are being picked up and turned into something that would be consumer facing is now becoming warehouse space. And uh, it's good in the sense that these strip malls need to pay their mortgage. They need to bring in money. So Amazon being a customer uh, for them is great because it keeps the economy rolling and, and those people that own those buildings in business. On the flip side, you know, driving by Amazon warehouses constantly, kind of a bummer. Yeah, and then the other thing too you got is, you know, at what point does someone step in with an antitrust case? Because oh, yeah. it's, it's getting close to like where it's a, it's a monopoly because sure. now it's no longer digital. Now they're in the actual, you know, they're buying up retail space. Yes. Because one of the things they did, I don't, I don't know if you know, because you don't return anything. No. <laughs> but like Amazon returns, you can actually take them to Kohl's now. I heard that. Yeah, that, I bought a whole stock when that when that happened. Yeah, because yeah, 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 I think I think I did too. Because yeah, yeah. they're you know that was for Kohl's great. You know, people were going in the Kohl's that normally wouldn't to return an Amazon package. Right. But ultimately, Amazon's going to take that business from them. Oh yeah. So yeah, it'd be interesting to see at some point there's any type of antitrust suits against Amazon for a monopoly because it's getting pretty damn close. I know that uh, for Microsoft that was the, the the worst thing. You know, when Bill Gates talks about business uh, successes and failures and things that were stressful for him. The, the thing he always talks about is like the thing that basically drove him away from being the day-to-day -day, day -day operator of Microsoft is the, when that happened to them. Yeah. You know, when the government comes after you, it's not, as Roger Stone will tell you, it's not a good thing, right? And uh, those guys uh, focusing on Amazon, you know, because it, it will eventually, it has to happen if they continue growing at this rate. Mm -hmm. You can't take over because you know, they're doing, they're talking about groceries, they're having retail spaces, they're talking about pharmaceuticals and you know, pharmacies, I mean. Uh, before you know it, uh, they've obviously have Amazon brands and all kinds of sports supplements. So where they see a sports supplement doing well or an ingredient, and they create an Amazon version, and that's part of their business model. Um, so before you know it, you have enough of that going on, and it certainly looks you know, scary for them. Amazon fast food? And why not? Why not? Order it on Amazon and pick it come to your house. I mean, oh. That's actually not, I, I can see them taking out Uber. Uber oh, yeah. Yeah, they Amazon. They're doing it in Texas right now. They're doing oh, it in Texas right now, Ryan says. Well, there you go. There you go. I mean, it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen. So um, one of the other big successes of, uh, of COVID-19, one of the ones that stocks that really went up significantly is Tesla. It's insane. Tesla's up at six, was at $1,600 a share and, uh, and are doing a five for one stock split. So I figured um, I should explain to people a little bit about why this happens, because there's really no benefit. It's like, um, as what do you always say, the six in one hand, half a dozen in another? Yeah, six in one, half a dozen in the yeah, other? That's really, what it, that's really what's, what it is. So what's going on is nothing really happened major, but Tesla decided that they're going to split their stock. And the reason that, that people do that is because it makes it more affordable, even though it's the same. So it's like uh, an ounce of gold and an ounce of feathers, which is heavier. The, the ounce of feathers and gold is the same. Um, so you, now you've got five shares that would have been one share. So a $1,600 share price gets split into five, making it more affordable to buy a share. Because like, say, say you're a millennial, uh, they call Robinhood investor now. So Robinhood investor, you have $10,000 to invest and one, one share is $1,600, you know, or, that's a, or, or Amazon, $3,000 plus dollars. So now you have 30% of all your money uh, that you're investing is in one thing. Yeah. And so for a lot of the millennial younger investors or basically people that are just getting into it, um, they go ahead and, and this will now make Tesla more affordable where they can they can get into it. What's the thing? You're going to get more people trying to buy in. Yeah. And uh, and that's understandable. And so it's funny, since they actually announced that the, the share price of Tesla, there's one right there. Tesla has uh, went up even further, another 6% today uh, based on the split, which is interesting. Uh, it's funny. One of the things I, I thought was really interesting is that uh, Elon Musk said recently on Twitter 
that the, the stock price is too high, that he, he thinks it's overvalued. Uh, this was a, this was a few months, two months just ago. Just back when he was getting rid of all of his possessions. He was acting when he was yeah. kind of acting a little Probably more erratic. Probably took that day. Something was going on. Uh, but he was, uh, he was acting a little erratic, and uh, he said it was too high a price, Tesla. So very interesting choice. And now it's funny because it is actually a, a, a lower price. He was, uh, it did lower the shares. But um, one of the funny things that happened with that is they were asking like the, the what happens to somebody, you know, insider trading is a big thing. So the SEC, and he's been in trouble before. Oh, yeah. The, the SEC is, is a huge deal and, and it could get him in, first of all, it could be billions of dollars in fines, but he, he could go to jail technically for manipulating stock price, but nobody ever said something publicly bad to lower stock price. So there's no rules against, it might be now because obviously you could short a stock. True. Yeah. Um, so you can, you can do stuff like that, but, and, uh, but there's no rules in the book about like, hey, because you could say, hey, we're thinking, if he posted, hey, we're thinking about uh, acquiring whatever, some company, XYZ, Ford is going to acquire us. That would obviously be insider trading. It would be in all kinds of trouble because people would buy the, the stock knowing it's going to go up. But saying our company sucks, we sh you know, it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be worth so much. Uh, there's nothing in the books about that. So uh, obviously people know what we've said before. I'm more of, I mean, you're both more of a fans of, uh, of Tesla and Elon Musk now. We bought one. Yeah, we're, well, uh, and it's pretty fucking cool, right? Especially a gay couple. We got a car down there. <laughs> we're sharing it. It's at my house charging right now, though. That's the biggest picture of that thing. Do you miss it? Because it's fun. It's, it's fun as hell. Yeah, it is. I got to play around with the self-driving a little bit still. Well, we need, to, we need to do it in a, in a place. Cause right now, until it sounds like pretty soon, they're going to be changing it. Yeah, because our car is right full self-driving. You can do everything. But it won't do it on side roads. So you have to do it on like the interstate or like a major road. You can't do it in your neighborhood yet, but it will be soon where you won't even have to touch the wheel at all. You're excited for that? Yeah, I take a nap for once. Yeah, take a nap while you're driving. I'll tell you what, I've done the, the, the you know, I guess whatever you call it, the middle of the range one, you know, uh, where it does self-drive. Yeah. And, you know, the, 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 down, the downside that I noticed is it goes the speed limit. And you can't go faster. You can't make it go faster unless you keep your foot on the thing. But if you do do the speed limit, and you sit back. It is a very weird feeling to be sitting back and it be slowing down or stopping at lights and speeding. You definitely get like, I'm, I'm still at a point where I get nervous. So I'll be like sitting there and, and I and I'll see the red light. I'm like, oh shit, oh shit, you know. And, and it'll start slowing down and stop. I'm like, okay, so should I like hold on to it? You know what I mean? But uh, I think just put pallbearer handles on the sides of each of the cars, and then when you die, just bury the fucking thing. That'll be great. <laughs> so Tesla casket too. Yeah, it's by the way. This is now the world's most Tesla's the world's most valuable car, car maker, which is insane. More than Ford, more than Mercedes, more than any Volkswagen, Volkswagen, which is one of the biggest. Yeah. It's so crazy that that's the number one. And obviously, it doesn't mean it's not doing the most revenue by any stretch of the imagination, but it is the most valuable based on the stock price. And is it, and people forget too, it's also an American car company. Which is pretty cool too, and yeah. it's it sounds like he may move, be moving it right to Texas. Yeah, we've been talking about it. I know Joe Rogan officially moved to Texas, to Austin, right? Yeah, Austin. Yeah, and, I think uh, that's where they're looking at putting Tesla. Right? They are. They are. I'm sure they probably those two guys probably talked about it. Yeah, last time I was there, there was a Facebook office, a Google office. Yeah, yeah. Tito's cool vodka. Tito's vodka. Yeah, it's good. Good vodka to mix, but not to drink. Not to drink. <laughs> no. All right. Um, and then the big story for the bodybuilding and fitness world is, of course, uh, Phil Heath returning to Mr. Olympia. So. Phil Heath won seven Olympias and, uh, and then lost and basically left. He left the, uh, the sport altogether and kind of disappeared. Uh, there was a lot of controversy about uh, his final win, talking about his midsection. He uh, supposedly had surgery on his midsection, had it repaired, came back the next year and didn't win. I mean, they said, they warned him. They said, hey, if your midsection looks like this again, you won't win. Yeah, and I mean, you know, that's the thing with bodybuilding is for years, 
midsections had gotten out of control and people really weren't penalized for it. And I think, you know, he was the one that finally paid the price for it. Yeah. Yeah, because I was, people don't, I mean, it was a hernia surgery, but it didn't seem like he really got it under control after. No, uh, it, it definitely didn't. And, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting because there's, it's still controversial because the rest of him is so good. And, and that's one of the things that he said is, well, is this an, an ab contest, a midsection contest, or a bodybuilding contest? Because it's very easy to argue that he should have still won because all of his other body parts were unbelievable. You know, his back was crazy. He had, he had all the, the wow factors you could see going on with everything else. His back was crazy. I mean, so he beat Chud Roden in a lot of those shots, but still because of that midsection, it just couldn't, the judges wouldn't overlook it. Yeah, just wonder too if at that time it was a uh, a message. Yeah, you know, yeah. more not not more so points lost, but just a hey, we told you. Yeah, like, uh, definitely possible. I mean, you had other people like Ben Bukowski who had a, a, a large midsection. Who not only did they get he get under control, it became a strong suit for him where he could do a he practiced every day and was able to do a vacuum and pull his stomach in. So he had almost no waste from a guy who had a very big waist to literally none. So he definitely can do it. It is possible to make it happen. So, um, I mean, Phil Heath, I'm excited about him coming back. I think it's a look at him. Yeah, he's, he's a beast. No, Phil's a cartoon character. I mean, he's a freak. Yeah. Because you see him in the offseason a lot of times, and it doesn't even look like he trains that much. And then all of a sudden, he's, you know, Mr. Olympia. Like, I've seen him traveling internationally where you're just like, yeah, it's a guy who works out. Yeah, well, he, he definitely then, shrinks down a lot. Yeah, and yeah. then just poof. It's like Levroni. Yeah. Yeah, well, not quite as dramatic because he doesn't get, like, skinny skinny. But, yeah, we're just going drinking. Kevin just drinking and hanging out and having fun, and then all of a sudden become Mr. Olympia again. But yeah, this is like a, I was going to say that was like an, an off season feel like barely training, you know, not doing a whole lot, but you know, he, uh, he is uh, an amazing talent. He's obviously a big attraction. He makes bodybuilding you know, much more interesting. So, you know, Brandon, who's our friend, Brandon Curry has real competition now, you know, unfortunately I'm sad that uh, you saw Kai Green won't be doing it. I'm sad that, uh, that um, Sean Roden won't be doing it. Very, very unfortunate. Sean won't be doing it. Um, so he's I'm, real- I'm surprised too, because you know, the beef was with AMI. AMI, and now that's you know it's not owned by AMI yeah. anymore. So I talked to I talked to Dan about it, and uh, who's the CEO of Olympia, and said, "Man, you should get him back." Like he's a Mr. Olympia, yeah, he's Mr. Olympia, and uh, and he said because Jake's so you know tied in with women and stuff that he felt like he couldn't do it. Which to me, you know, I think that everybody should be innocent until proven guilty. So what's well, I mean? It's still an accusation, right? Yeah, it's no. There's been no conviction. No, no nothing. nothing. So uh, for me, it's it's. I would love to see him back on stage, but. You know, now you got Flex Lewis. Obviously, that's exciting. You got Phil Heath competing against Flex Lewis, which is one of those things that we never thought we'd see. And then, uh, and then of course, you got Brandon Curry, the current Mr. Olympia. So it is going to be one hell of an exciting. Uh, and then still the the wild card of how many international people are going to be allowed to compete? Be, who knows? It could be none. I mean, it could literally be no uh, no no international bodybuilders coming in because of COVID. So it'll be an exciting Olympia regardless, and it'll be a unique Olympia. I can tell you going to the Arnold last year, I know you didn't make it, but going to Arnold in March, uh, I'm very happy that I went because it was so unique because it was truly different. I mean, there was almost nobody in the audience. There was nobody in Columbus. There was no expo. And, uh, and I know the Olympia plans to do it no matter what, like it's happening no matter what Jake, um, with the exception of Las Vegas saying nobody can be, go there, you know, they're doing the show. They're still going to do the show. They, he doesn't care if he loses the money. I mean, he wants to, obviously doesn't want to lose money, but the guy's prepared to do it no matter what. So, um, guys, we're going to go to commercial break for just a few minutes. And uh, when we come back, we're going to have the man himself, Roger Stone.
is Ben Galloway. And I'm Matt Saracino. We are the Tier Operator Management Team, and we invite you to join the Redcon One family. I joined the Tier Operator Program because I wanted to be part of something bigger than myself. Being a Tier Operator is phenomenal. You want to keep tearing up. You want to work for, yes, the best company in the fitness industry. Redcon One helped me reach my goal, which at the time I didn't even know was a goal. The products work. Like that's, I mean, it's what it is. And I want to help other people reach their fitness goals using these products. I love that it's like a big family. I really enjoy that we can get together at events like this. And it's like, even though we're thousands of miles apart, it's just like we all know each other like we're neighbors. We're not just out here trying to make sales, we're out here trying to change lives. Apply to be a tier operator today. coming back. When's it coming? Ask the missus. She always tells me. Wait, am I allowed to say that? Is this PG? For TV14. That's the plot. Monday. Coming Monday. Monday. We're taking over. Say the line. Money. 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 Monday. Chico. Hurry up before you miss out on the free supplements and savings this weekend. We're in the giving spirit, so we're cutting almost half your order at checkout. This weekend, use the code HURRYUP, all one word, to save 40% off your entire order. I'm not sure when we'll ever do 40% off the site again, so you'll want to take advantage now. If you spend $80 or more on the Redcon 1 site, you'll receive your choice of a two-pound bottle of Emery Light Blueberry Cobbler or Oatmeal Chocolate Chip. If you spend $95, we'll give you a bottle of our top-selling pump formula, Big Noise Blue Lemonade. This deal is good Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. We only have limited supplies, so hurry up before we run out. Visit redcon1.com to start saving today. This weekend only, use the code HURRYUP to save 40% off your entire order. Not only that, but if you spend $80, you get a free tub of MRE Lite. You spend $95, and you get a free tub of Big Noise. Deal so good, it'll make you squeal like a piggy. Squeak, 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 squeak! We should have never let that guy out of the gift box. All right, we're back. And uh, 
We are waiting on Mr. <laughs> Stalin to, to show up in the building right now. So he is, uh, he is, everybody, that's the backstage. He's not back there. Ryan, is he back by you? No. I'm hiding. Okay. All right. Ah. I'm so suit. We're waiting, we're waiting for Roger to come on. So in the meantime, we're going to uh, shoot the shit about the world of Redcon 1. We had All our right. town meeting today, right? Town hall. Town yeah. hall. Yeah, town hall. So about every six weeks or so, we do a town hall where uh, where we where we're supposed to do it every six weeks. Right? Yeah, we just get busy, get behind. It doesn't always happen because you know things happen, the world happens, and uh, a lot of times when uh, when things get busy, we put it off. But you know, and also because of COVID and all that stuff. But you know, yeah, you got to space everybody out six feet in the warehouse, and yeah. But it was a great success today. We had everybody in the warehouse, all the employees talked about what's going on. Right, Cohen talked about the MRE RTD that's coming out very soon. Talked about a lot of other exciting news. We did the employee of the month, which is always exciting. Yeah, just because, I mean, it's a good way to, obviously, every everybody's all hands on deck here all the time. I mean, there's, you know, everybody's always busting their ass. So, But, you know, you have those people who are just shining stars and really go above and beyond all the time. And, like, today, Kevin Ruiz, who, I mean, he worked at one of our old warehouses when we had seven satellite warehouses. And, yeah, I remember you used to, I'd go and work on one of my trucks at night that was parked over there, like, 9, 10 o'clock oh, at night. Today. All right. Yeah. Chris Jackson. <laughs> uh, there's your son, yeah. Yep. And uh, yeah, him and him and James would be riding on the forklift together at like 10, 9, 10 o'clock at night, trying to still get orders out the door. You know, you guys come up with this stuff fast. I like that. Yeah. Right? And there's me telling me you talking. There's uh, uh, Joe Bennett, who's in town. Joe's in town for uh, the next two days. Uh, and it was a lot of fun. See the big bounce house. And I think Eduardo picked this one out because that's a very phallic looking uh, tank. <laughs> that he face. looks serious. He looks very serious. Yeah, he's like really going at it. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, all in all, it was, it was a fun day. And I always like to do stuff like that. We uh, we actually paid for in advance our net, our team building from March. It was Yeah, we paid in February, but it was supposed to be in March. Uh, it's a cruise. It was like a, a company cruise. Uh, it's like four, four or five hours on a cruise ship, music, dancing, the whole thing, uh, food, drinks. I would dance, yeah. Actually, I, don't know. Yeah, I have enough drinks, I will. Um, <laughs> and uh, obviously, the whole, uh, you know, the whole cruise thing was kind of like a, not really like a positive thing around March, April, May. No. But no, we're, start, no. we're starting to turn the corner where we can do our a cruise with our own company, you know, and employees, right? So uh, we're talking about that. Everybody, I asked them to raise their hand if you want to do it, like if you feel comfortable doing it, and everybody... Basically, I mean, it's all us that's around everybody. In yeah, here, we're right? here. We're with each other every day, all day. So yeah, not so we, really. We've got a lot of people saying yes on that. Um, you know what, Ryan? Let's do some questions. We have yeah, all these questions, well. and I'm seeing the questions. So hit us with some questions while we wait for Roger. <laughs> Hopefully, Roger's got the link and can figure out how to press the button. His camera's working. <laughs> yeah, he's awake still. I see him. I see him on his documentary. He's doing. Yeah, yeah, he's with it, man. He's, he's super sharp. His, yeah. Super sharp guy. Readiness trials, yes. So the readiness trials, so we delayed, we actually talked about this today in the, in the actual meeting. So the readiness trials were delayed because we are uh, out of stock on several products. So we decided to wait till we get back in stock. Uh, the 26th or the 24th? 24th. 24th. Tickets will go back on, will go on sale for the first time for the readiness trials. Uh, you can either buy a ticket for $75 or you can buy one of the readiness stacks, which will be available on the site. If you purchase a stack, you don't need to purchase a ticket. And if you have tons and tons of supplements saved up, then uh, you know you can buy the ticket instead. And um, that ticket will allow you the option, the ability to compete, to win uh, one of a whole slew of prizes, equaling up to a hundred thousand bucks. So we ask people, do you want a one grand prize for a hundred grand, or do you want fifteen prizes? There's five ten thousand dollar prizes, a bunch of uh, a whole slew of five thousand dollar prizes, and then some other ones. So yeah, but it's, it's a lot of people win. Now. Everybody, ninety percent said they want 
more chances because we usually get about about 1500 to 2000 people enter these things and really of that only about 500 finish and then of the people with 500 finish only like maybe 200 of them super try obviously try very very hard and then of that 200 half of those give it everything they got so you really got a 15 out of 100 shot oh yeah your odds are actually good i mean when if you follow through your odds increase significantly and you know that's like last time i mean look at how many really good contestants we had where then when it got down to it i mean for the fifty thousand bucks i mean we had to toil over those last few but you know as we went through there was probably i think they had what like a like you say just shy of 200 probably mm -hmm. but then we really boiled it down to what a 12. there was 12 ones exceptional yeah so but yeah you got a chance and then um we're doing another internal one yeah eric's putting up his five thousand dollar prize money from winning last time this was this was a, a finalist he didn't win that was one of the finalists. That was, that was several two, ago, yeah. Two ones ago. Yeah. Wasn't this the military one? It may have been the military one. I don't know. Uh, but we had hundreds and hundreds, I mean, thousands of people that have made big transformations. Um, so uh, Eric won last time internally, 5000 bucks. I said, we're going to match this 5000 bucks, make it 10000 So we're going to do an internal readiness trials as well. So okay. Got go ahead. Go ahead. Hit us with it. Uh, what do you think of Thor retiring at 31? Thor, who is Game of Thrones. Half Thor. Thor. Half Thor, yep. I mean, that sports hell on your body. I mean, look, he had a stroke. That's why his face has the pal you know, he had a palsy um, that didn't really recover from. And, you know, because your body's under that type of load. I mean, clearly he's someone who's parlayed strongman into a whole other career. Oh, yeah. Probably he's doing pretty well for himself financially. So I'm sure at heart he's a, he's a competitor, but, you know, he's got a kid on the way. Probably making him rethink of, like, do I really want to keep doing this to myself? Yeah, I think I think that's exactly right. And I think... Also, uh, that I wouldn't be surprised if he comes back in the future. You know, he has the kid, you know, takes a year or two off and then says, oh, man, I miss it. and comes back also. So and he even kind of alluded to that in a speech that maybe it's possible he would come back at some point in the future. He's just done for now kind of thing. Yeah, he's know? only 31. Yeah, 31 years old. So I am, look, ultimately, I'm happy for him. If, if he thinks that's the best thing for him and his family, good for him. Yeah. You know, that's, a, that's obviously a decision that he needs to make internally with his family and stuff. So. How do, how do I feel about it? I feel like I'm happy for him if that's what he wants to do. You know? Yeah. That's... He's a big motherfucker, though. I was in between him and Brian Shaw at the World's Strongest Man in the, in the tent, the athlete's tent, and he was facing his coach, and then Brian was facing towards me, and uh, he was standing behind me uh, talking to his coach. Brian was looking at this, and he was slowly backing up and squishing me. It reminded me of, uh, like, in Star Wars, you know, yeah, the, the trash compactor. Right? <laughs> and I'm like, holy shit, I've never felt small in my life. Two six foot 10, 450, 500 pound men. Yeah. Literally, and, and Brian's like just standing talking. I'm like, oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. You're in the middle of a fart here. sandwich. Yeah, it would have been, <laughs> been bad. It would have had to, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> Both unleashed fart at the time. I'd probably die of some sort of poisoning. Um, <laughs> Roger Stone, no, not yet. Not yet, All right, guys? He's still hiding. Still hiding him, still hiding him. Um, so I wonder if Roger doesn't come on, should we, uh, should we start... Uh, getting out the Rolodex and start calling people? I think so. Yeah, I could do that. I could start calling people. We've got Sean Rosario right over there. I could call in a pitch hitter over here, um, get Sean in. Um, you can't even see Sean on that camera. Well, he's, he was Sean. There's Sean right here, hanging out in the background. So we got Sean. We could make something, we could make shit happen here. Um, and uh, <laughs> and I, could, I could certainly start calling people, put people at the spot uh, if, uh, if he doesn't show up. You know, I, all I can think of is, so for people out there that say, or maybe saying, you know, well, 
was this guy prepared or did did he know? And I don't want to talk about it being on the show if he's if he's right now watching, thinking like he's going to hit the button. But he did get four email reminders in which they they said yes over and over again. We're good. We're good. We're good. I'm going to look at. I'm going to. I'm going to make sure to look at uh, Susie's emails though. Make sure <laughs> she didn't right say, she wasn't saying Friday Friday or something on accident. Oh, oh he's coming in now. Okay, he's coming in now. He's coming in hot. He says he's coming in now. All right. I wonder if he forgot. So yeah, he's, he's coming in now. All right. In the meantime, next question. Uh, well, we may need Hold you. Hold on. Stand by, Sean. Don't uh, don't don't uh, don't count him in yet. Um, so uh, next question. What else you got? Uh, a little less exciting. Oh boy, less exciting than that. Not important. When is quarantine back to in stock? Uh, what well, I saw there's there's actually there's some in the there's warehouse. Yeah, it's in the warehouse. I don't know what. There's bins of it in the packing area. So what's the deal? Ryan. You're, you asked us the question. I'll fire myself. Okay. All right. I, it's physically back there. I've seen it. Yeah. So who knows? But that being said, I, I noticed the peanut butter and jelly bars are back there, and they're like, no. Not, not on the so, site as well. So yeah. So. so You never really know. Ask Roger Stone what he th why he thinks he has not released the JFK assassination, as he pro promised. Um, John's dead. Oh, yeah. Does he have to do with – I missed the rest of them. Does it have to do with George Bush being named in the documents of Seattle? Oh my gosh. Oh, that was John's dad. Yeah, that it's was Chris. John's dad. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, you're kidding. He's like the, kidding. He's no, he's like like the biggest dad. JFK buff. Oh, he's yeah. got like a whole room in his house dedicated to JFK. Well, I know, I know that Roger Stone is also a big JFK buff and is very interested. He has a whole a book that I believe they wrote about uh, the theory that uh, um, that somebody else killed him, that it was uh, uh, Lyndon Johnson, I think he said. He, I think. Yeah, I think that's what it was. Chris, that's is that right? Am I saying that right? Is that is that the uh, the working theory? Um, that's actually not on our on our list of questions for Roger. I have a question for Aaron specifically okay. from my personal fan. Okay. All right. What's Aaron benching now? Not that much. Not that yeah, because he trains with Ryan, so his strength went to the shitter. Yeah, we just Excellent. we talk and text and talk about return on investment, ROAS. So oh, it's yeah. pretty much you should be asking what's my ROAS. That's the really impressive numbers. <laughs> That's the numbers you really want to know. Uh, I like in our meeting today uh, in the uh, town hall the uh, the question from one of the one of the guys. What's the, your LTV, yeah. your lifetime value of a customer? Yeah. Um, that was a funny question. LBJ. So. LBJ. Okay, I thought so. Thought so. Oh, oh. oh. oh man, man. It's trying to get us warmed up a little. Well, the camera, his camera's on, but he's in the he. Roger Stone is in the background right now, hanging out, trying to fix his camera. So, sure. So, right at the very well, he's back. I believe he's on his way back right now. But Blessing is on his way back with Quinton. He was uh, spent a lot of time. Uh, last two weeks in uh, in Dubai training at that's the Olympia gym, which is interesting because they had no right to be able to use that, which I think seemed like the logo and stuff. They just decided to use. So it. Like, I guess yeah, they're in Dubai. Dubai. Yeah, like, they're not going to do anything. But he was with Larry Wheels training, doing all kinds of crazy stuff in Dubai, uh, eating hot chili peppers, training oh, with he heavy weights. Miserable. Yeah, he looked miserable. I would never do that. Hell would no, you? I'd die with no gallbladder and die like yeah, acid reflux. Yeah, probably would. Probably would. <laughs> Uh, but uh, there he is, uh, blessing, very, very sweaty in, in Dubai. He, apparently, it's a, he was saying it's 120 degrees there the day he was texting. It's 120 degrees. And he said it was, yeah, like, I mean, we've been in Vegas when it's been close to that, yeah. not quite 120. It's dry heat, Sean says. I've been there when it was super hot to Dubai. You, were we there? One yeah, time? we were all there together. Yeah, but I've been there several times. You I went there we went, in July the first time when yeah, I, we it was first started. Crazy. When I went outside to the pool, 
and like on the walk to the pool you feel like you're in an oven like it's like heating you up you know yeah that was when you went with kai that one time yeah that's when i went kind time before you went so roger if you can hear me your your camera is not functioning yeah um it's like he's not a he's not actually like he's there i see that his his uh his presence is here but his actual image is not uh what'd you do ryan yeah did you mess it yeah um any more questions so we can talk, we can talk about other stuff i got i got other things to talk about as we as we wait for uh got a laundry list. mr stone yes um well first off we can talk a little bit about uh roger's um actual the video the documentary johnny can you play the clip from uh, the trailer he's gonna pull it up so this this uh documentary is on netflix you can watch it now it's called get me roger stone both eric and i watched it uh previous to doing this you know i told uh i watched it a little bit uh years ago and uh and again just recently johnny we gonna play the sound or no sound on this I guess we're not playing the sound. Johnny, are we playing the sound or no sound? No sound, I guess, no sound. So anyway, if you get a chance to uh, to go on Netflix, there's the, the famous tattoo, Richard Nixon tattoo. If you have a chance to go watch this documentary, you would really enjoy it. Whether you uh, love Roger or hate Roger, it's, it, this is an amazing uh, documentary that got great reviews from everybody that, uh, that watched it. All the critics loved it, thought it was, uh, that was one of Stone's rules, better to be infamous than not famous at all right we're gonna ask him about that yeah, but the thing is with him is i mean what if by what you know watching a documentary if you because obviously if you only watch the news you'd think he's just this you know villain but i mean he's been involved in so many political campaigns all the way back to to nixon you know at a, what, what was he like 20 or 21 something like that so something during like the that. watergate scandal so yeah he's been a, a big part of american politics for decades so this is pretty impressive documentary. Yeah, uh, very entertaining, and uh, definitely gives you an insight into uh, into Roger and what an interesting person he is, and lived a, such an interesting life. So um, excited to have him on if we have him. Camera not working. That's what he said. Camera not working. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Do we hear Roger? Yeah. Can you guys? My, my question is, do we really want to just hear him if he's not, if it's the camera's not working? It's like a, wait, there's a podcast up there. Yeah, I guess we could do that. Roger, can you hear me? Uh, well, Roger, you there? I'm hearing like music and stuff. That was you? It's Ryan's iPod. Can't unmute guests. So, so Roger, can you hear me? It says unmute. Uh, ah, Roger. Still cannot hear you. Can you hear me now, Roger? All right. We're going to have to resort to a cell phone, I guess. Good old fashioned technology. I uh, I cannot hear anything whatsoever. Okay. Uh, and I've used StreamYard before, and I like it, but it's not cooperating today. Hmm. So, what do you guys think? We need to do, Johnny. Him right backstage, which he is. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right, so we'll put him put him back, Johnny. Put him back backstage. Well, at least he's here. Yeah, no, he's was, here in spirit. I heard him. <laughs> um, so, what can we talk about in the meantime as we uh, as we shoot the shit while this is going on here? 
it really piss people off to talk about religion or not. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> On a positive note, we have, we've all read Rectal Foundation. True, yes. the foundation. So that, is, that is a good thing. That is a good idea, Ryan. So the Redcon One Foundation has done some really cool stuff recently. Most recently, uh, Darielle headed off a project to uh, actually near and dear to Sean's heart, heart. I don't know if he even knows that. Do you know about this? Yeah, so, I mean, I told you. Uh, so there's a, a, a group of very special individuals that are that fight for the country at a very high level. And um, they have obviously, like like everybody else, they've got kids and families. And uh, and those kids go to school just like everybody else. And uh, we thought we would do something really cool, Darielle's idea, uh, along with um, the wife of one of the guys that's uh, that's out there doing this, to uh, to help provide for those kids and kind of take one thing off the table, one stress off the table for uh, for those families, and uh, by providing school supplies. And so this is the, you see Darielle and the in the crew, Haley and Skylar putting together the packages uh, for all the kids. So it's hundreds of families. Uh, we're really excited about doing that, and uh, I'm excited that we're able to provide. And at Redcon One, you know, we talked about this a little bit today. We make great supplements, no doubt about it. And obviously, a lot of people love the brand and support the brand. But you're not just buying cool supplements; you're helping uh, you're helping military families uh, around around the country and and stationed around the world. So uh, definitely one of the neater things we've done. And then well, the big thing that we did. Uh, you want to talk about Courtney Brown? Yeah. So you know we've been toiling for a while, like who's going to be the first recipient of our Shield of Honor. And it was um, Courtney Brown out of, where does he live? Uh, Bradenton? Yeah. Or, Bradenton, Florida. So, pretty much, you know, Marine vet, uh, obviously with COVID, COVID hit. He had his job, but then he got COVID, correct? Well, he lost his job and then caught COVID That's after. That's right, he got it after, yeah. yeah. And so, just had gotten a new house, essentially, his wife, two kids, and you know, was pretty much down and out. So, you know, with the foundation, uh, Honorable Rob Wilkins actually reached out to Courtney and interviewed him and felt that like he was the right candidate for to receive the Shield of Honor Award. And we paid uh, six months of his mortgage. Six months of his mortgage for him. Give him some help. Uh, I know he was definitely in a very bad place. And you see his dad and a lot of his, uh, his comrades in arms, a lot of the guys that served with him, he was in a combat zone for, for, uh, for, several deployments as Marine, saw a lot of, a lot of action. And those two guys that came on that served with him, you know, said he was a hero and that they're raising their kids, you know, with, with him in mind and how would he, how would Courtney act? And it, it was really cool, especially to see uh, the guys he was with talking, you know, so, so uh, effusively positive about Courtney. So it made, it definitely made us all feel good about helping him and his family. And, uh, Really, really great video if you haven't seen yet that's on the Redcon One YouTube. Uh, Ray went and video with his family, and uh, Courtney had extremely nice things to say about the team and Rob Wilkins and about uh, about Ray and everybody that he's met um, that's from Redcon One. So it was great, man, talking to him. I just spoke to him on the phone uh, two days ago, and we talked all about his experiences and uh, what he's currently dealing with, or a little bit less now, but also about wanting to be part of Redcon One and helping out any way he can. And um, I told him, you know, that we had had some media interest in his story, you know, because I didn't want to offer him up uh, to do interviews or to speak to people if he wasn't comfortable, because you never know. Yeah, some people don't want any type, yeah. of, any type of exposure. For sure. And maybe he just did this because Rob, you know, was, Rob is a very, you know, uh, extremely nice guy. And maybe he convinced him, right, to, to go ahead and do this. And he did such a great job for us, but maybe he wouldn't be comfortable. And he said anything to help other vets, he'd be willing to do. So uh, hopefully we have some cool opportunities for uh, – for Courtney to, to do that. Okay.
Still working on video, but let's see if we can wait. Roger, Roger, can you hear me? Uh, I can, I can hear you, but I cannot see you. Okay, well, we're halfway there. This is this is a good start. Technology is uh, vexing here today. I've never had this issue with StreamYard before, but um, even when I try to send you a message, it requires me to sign up and fill out a lot of information, which I'm never inclined to do because it always ends up in the hands of the government somewhere. <laughs> yes, I, I agree with you, and you're and, and you're right. That's not usually required. Uh, we we use. I mean, I'm sure you do for all the interviews you've done. I mean, Streamyard is super popular, and, and the cool part about it is you just click the link, and that's it. Yeah, well, that hasn't been the experience today, but uh, at least I I made it, even though I'm late. Uh, it's great to be with you, and I look forward to touring your facility. Actually, oh yeah, yeah, we we would love to have you here. You know, I I, uh, I wrote you that in the email. Love to have you here, show you the place, and. And walk you around and you know what we'll do rogers in the meantime we'll just we'll just go ahead and do this um we'll, we'll uh they'll put up a picture of you with uh, the most uh some flattering pictures and and we'll talk how about yeah, that that's good so in other words do not get a picture from cnn no, no, no. Way to find the most unflattering picture of you they can possibly find <laughs> that's usually that's 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 perfect, perfect, perfect example right there uh, that was actually taken when I visited Trump Tower to visit President-elect Donald Trump uh, when the world was in awe that he had pulled off the most improbable political victory in American history. I mean, uh, he defied all the odds. He proved all the polls wrong. He never spent a substantial amount of money on either polling or broadcast television to staples of the modern political presidential campaign, he completely rewrote the, the rule book. I mean, he was the first president, is the first president, who was not a senator, a governor, a congressman, or a general. Uh, it is uh, His election is really a miracle uh, based solely on his running of a brilliant campaign of guile and daring. Uh, he took on the deep state. He took on the Clintons, who had more presidential campaign experience probably than any family in American history, other than perhaps the Roosevelts, uh, and uh, he whipped them, and they still haven't gotten over it. That's That explains the Russian collusion hoax, the Ukrainian hoax, uh, uh, and now trying to benefit from the fallout of COVID-19. Roger, when did, when did you actually, I mean, I know you have been telling, you know, we we obviously did our research and of course watched the documentary that I was just telling everybody they need to go watch uh, your, your documentary on you. Um, but the, when did you actually start um, with the campaign? I know you've been saying, what I meant to say is you've been, you've been telling him to do it for Since 20, 80s, 30 years, yeah. whatever, but, but we, met, we, met, the campaign? we met in 1979 when um, I was working for governor Ronald Reagan in his presidential campaign. Uh, I was organizing New York State, and Trump's name was on a short list of those to be recruited to be on our finance committee. So I wangled an appointment with him, uh, and I pitched him very hard, uh, and I found out that he uh, was as interested in politics as he was sports. Uh, he, he was very, very savvy about politics in the television age, uh, and uh, we hit it off immediately. His handler said, oh, you'll only have 10 minutes with Mr. Trump, so get right to the point, wrap it up, uh, and we'll get you out of there. But he, I ended up spending four hours with him, and he had a lot of difficult questions. Uh, he was concerned. He loved Reagan. 
but he was concerned about his age, whether he thought that was surmountable, obviously it was, whether he could still carry California. Uh, and then he would walk you through different combinations, different uh, uh, mathematical combinations of electoral votes. In other words, well, can you win Ohio? Can you win Florida? Can you win Michigan? He, he Even then, he really understood the game extraordinarily well. Uh, I didn't really start thinking about him as a presidential candidate uh, until 1987, when uh, he was invited uh, to sit in George Steinbrenner's box at Yankee Stadium, and former President Nixon was also a guest that day. Now, I had done some work for Nixon, uh, not only in the campaigns, but handling some scheduling matters and some other political matters for him. And he knew that Trump uh, and I were good friends. Uh, at that point, I actually was working for Trump as a consultant to his casino gaming company. Uh, and uh, the next day, the former president called me and he said, well, I met your man. I said, pardon me? He said, Donald Trump. I said, what did you think? He said, this guy's really got it. He could go all the way. And I said, well, you think he should run for governor? He said, no, I mean all the way. So the first guy to actually think uh, about Donald Trump in terms of a presidential campaign was former President Nixon, uh, who had a pretty shrewd eye, having been on six national tickets. Uh, in 1988, I uh, tried to uh, convince him to run. Um, he was he was kind of um, he was intrigued by the publicity value, but he still had real estate mountains to climb at that point. Uh, and um, even I recognize 1988 was too early for the American people to conceive of a president um, who was uh, not a general or a governor or a senator. Uh, again, in, 20, in 2000. Uh, I tried to persuade him to seek the Reform Party nomination. Uh, he correctly decided that one had to be either a Republican or a Democrat. That You could not get elected in America as a third party candidate or independent party candidate for a number of structural reasons. Uh, he used to needle me all the time and say, so I guess I'll just become a Democrat because he knew that drove me crazy. Uh, but he was a lifelong Republican, as were his parents. Uh, he switched uh, to the Democratic Party for about a year just to protest uh, the war in Iraq, which he was very strongly against. He was very, very deeply disappointed in George W. Bush, who he had voted for and raised a little money for, uh, as he was disappointed in George H. W. Bush when he broke his no new taxes pledge. Um, yeah, it's it's uh, it's amazing that you got that you were part of that from such an early point and that you were suggesting this to him and you saw the potential with uh, with uh, President Nixon uh, and got him going. One of the things that I found very interesting is um, your your initial lobbying firm, Black Manafort, Stone and Kelly. Uh, can you tell us how that came about and uh, how the idea? I mean, uh, you were very you were one of the basically almost the inventor of this type of political lobbying, right? Well, uh, not really. It's just we transformed it. So previously, the reigning lobby shops in Washington, D.C. had all been big Democrats. Tommy Boggs, whose father was Hale Boggs, the uh, minority, pardon me, the majority leader of the U.S. House, uh, was the most prominent of them. But they did business the old fashioned way, meaning they bundled cash contributors and they raised huge sums for Democratic candidates. Where we changed the game was we did not deliver money. We essentially delivered political advice and strategic advice uh, to Republicans and conservatives. 
So we certainly didn't invite, uh, invent lobbying. Lobbying was actually invented in the 40s uh, by the uh, James Rowe and the others uh, working for Franklin Roosevelt. Uh, it has gotten a very dirty name. I never particularly liked lobbying. In other words, my interest was never in government or government policy other than in the big picture. I was more interested in the mechanics of political campaigns, how to get people to vote for the, the pro-constitution, pro-liberty, pro-freedom ideas, how to word your proposals and so on. So that was always a greater interest to me. Black Manafort and Stone, which was the original iteration, later Black Manafort, Stone and Atwater, when we added Lee Atwater uh, between the Reagan and the Bush campaigns, then Atwater took a, uh, a leave of absence. Uh, Peter Kelly, a Democrat joined us and we were, uh, we were bipartisan at the time we sold our business to Young and Rubicam. Um, I was never particularly good at lobbying Lobbying to me is following senators and congress, congressmen around the halls of Congress and trying to persuade them how to vote or what to propose. Um, that, that's not my idea of how to make a living, to be honest with you. Yeah, no, I, I totally get that. You know, one of the things we do really well here at Red Wine that we get complimented on all the time is, uh, is our ability to market, to drive consumer demand. And it seems like there's a lot of similarities between what, what you're an expert in and, and the world of marketing. Would you say that's accurate? Uh, you know, the, the point, of course, is that the Internet has changed everything. Uh, but what we see now is in 2016, Donald Trump was able to get elected uh, because the Internet broke the, uh, the mainstream media stranglehold on the political narrative in this country. Uh, and um, it was only because of the rise of a vibrant, robust alternative media based in the Internet that Donald Trump was able to get elected. Uh, now, of course, you see this massive, uh, concerted and ruthless effort to deplatform conservatives, Republicans, independents, libertarians, anybody who is not a liberal uh, on social media. Uh, and it is very, very dangerous because what they're trying to do is take away the president's uh, megaphone. They're trying to take away the amplification of his message and they're trying to take away the platform from which he counter punches. Uh, like you, I've been very successful in marketing. I've written five books, one New York Times bestseller, three of them Amazon's bestsellers. For my legal defense fund, I, of course, produced the famous, iconic Roger Stone did nothing wrong t-shirt, sold 15,000 of them before the judge uh, gagged me from selling them online. Uh, I, I even produced the famous Roger Stone, which is really a rock to which I've signed my name with a Sharpie, uh, which we sell not as a weapon, of course, but as a paperweight. It is historically, of course, a, the exact replica of the very rock that little David used to take down Goliath. You can get yours, by the way, at stonecoldtruth.com in the store. And yes, I sign every one of them. The funny thing is I wasn't selling any of them until uh, the libtards at New York Magazine and Rolling Stone made fun of me for selling them two Christmases ago. At that point, I couldn't sign enough rocks. Uh, it became a thing. So if you want to get your pet stone, that's the place to get it. <laughs> that's awesome. Yes, you definitely are a marketer at heart. Uh, yeah, no, so. no question about that. Isn't it true? I was talking to Mark Vargas, from maybe Bernie uh, Carrick, who's saying that your social media was uh, Instagram and uh, various other things 
uh, platforms were, were taken down. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, so the day the president commuted my sentence uh, was the very day that Facebook announced, based on a completely unfounded report that said that I owned and manipulated a hundred fake fake uh, Facebook uh, pages. Uh, the truth is, I don't even have one. Never mind a hundred. I mean, I have one for myself personally. I have one. I had one for StoneColdTruth.com, which is my one of my two blogs. I had one for StoneZone.com, my other blog. I had one for each of the books that I've written. That's it. But uh, according to them, there is a giant conspiracy. What they really object to is that I have been uh, uh, releasing unauthorized information. In other words, I disagree with the current narrative. For example, the Russia attacked the DNC and gave the information to WikiLeaks. I dared to contradict that on Facebook. That's why I lost somewhere around 350,000 followers. I had 550 on Twitter. I was an early pioneer of being banned there. Uh, and um, they, when they took Facebook, of course, they took Instagram. That's how dangerous I am. We cannot let this man speak. The truth is really, really dangerous to the deep state and their minions in Silicon Valley. Mm. Well, hopefully you don't get our show blocked. <laughs> <laughs> it's entirely possible, gentlemen. It's entirely possible. I don't make any promises tonight. Well, at least he's look. At least he's not on the screen, so it's just a voice. Yes. It's an apparition. We're probably at least that gives us a little bit more. Uh, I want to work. I want to work out these technical bugs and come back because I spent so much time on my outfit. Uh, <laughs> Maybe uh, next time we just have you come into the office. Yeah, you're for you're, you're uh, a short drive. What are you like? Thirty minutes outside of Boca, right? Yes, that would be easy to do. We should definitely do that because I sat at the pool for you know an hour today. A nice rosy tan to be on you guys. I was very careful about my shirt tie combination, and here I am, uh, just a disembodied voice. I'm sure. I'm sure you look uh, very dashing. <laughs> so one, one thing that one thing in the in the show. So when I watched the documentary, and I'm curious how the documentary happened, but one thing was uh, Roy. I didn't realize Roy Cohn was so close. You were so close with him, and and the the story behind that. How did you meet him, and, and what kind of role did he play in your life? Uh, I met him because uh, he was a friend of Nancy Reagan's, uh, and the Reagans gave me a card file of uh, their contacts in New York like a little recipe box and these little card files of these little cards. And the problem was that more than half of the people on the cards were dead uh, and they were all show business related, theatrically re related from Reagan's previous life as an actor. Uh, but the Reagans knew Roy Cohn from his time uh, hunting communists when he worked for Joe McCarthy uh, and Reagan had been president of the Screen Actors Guild. So he was kind of a natural to go to. Uh, New York was very hostile to Reagan. The Republican structure in place was deeply committed to uh, George Bush or John Connolly. Uh, the establishment rhinos um, thought Reagan was another Goldwater. Well, they were wrong about that. Uh, and um, therefore, we had to run an insurgent campaign. It's very, very difficult to get your delegates or your name as a candidate and the delegates pledged to you on the ballot in New York state. It's a Herculean task in terms of the number of valid signatures and the arcane nature of the system, how they have to be numbered, how they have to be paged, how they have to be listed and so on. We had excellent help uh, from a number of the insurgents of the Republican party 
in Brooklyn particularly, and Queens, New York. Uh, and Reagan delegates got on the ballot in every congressional district, but Bush delegates have failed in a number of places because I challenged the validity of their petitions and my challenge was upheld. This, by the way, is why Barbara Bush hated me. Uh, but that's tough. I mean, nobody owns the Republican primary of New York State or Connecticut or New Jersey. Uh, and Reagan whipped Bush in all three. And he, so they gave you, Nancy gave you the box so that you could call and try to drum up support? That was uh, Yeah, basically try to find people for the finance committee. And one of them was Roy Cohn. You called him and basically were, were hoping to get help from him. That is correct. And he said, oh, I, I need to introduce you to uh, Donald Trump. Uh, and I, of course, jumped at that opportunity. And as I told you, I went to Trump's office, made the pitch for Reagan and he and his father signed up. They both raised, as I recall, $100,000, which was huge money at that time. And what, and what was he like, Roy Cohn in general? Was he was he somebody that you uh, you got were inspired by? Because obviously his he, he had um, he was a he was a very amazing guy. He was a good guy to have as a friend, and not a good guy to have as an enemy. He was tough as nails. He had a photographic memory. Uh, he was a strong anti-communist, and he knew everybody on the right. Uh, people would hire Roy Cohn as their lawyer because as soon as you hired him, the other side would want to settle. They would never want to go to trial because he was so fierce in the courtroom. Of course, he is the guy who originated the saying, don't tell me the law, tell me the name of the judge, <laughs> which is you know, Tammany Hall politics. By the way, Roy Cohn was a Democrat, came up through Tammany Hall. Um, so when you met Trump all the way back then, has he changed over the years? And, and kind of like, what's the difference? What is he like in real life as like somebody that you're uh, friendly with versus, you know, the, the persona we see on a daily basis in news conferences? Uh, I, I am. I'm going to be happy to address that. And then in all honesty, I would like to reschedule at a time when you can actually see me uh, <laughs> if you guys don't mind. But let me address your question. The whole reason I thought that he would be a great president, not only a great presidential candidate, but a great president, is because of his fierce independence. See, nobody tells him what to think, where to go, who to appoint, who to meet with, what to say. He's just very much his own man. Uh, and he was not tied to the neocon wing of the Republican Party, the Bush Country Club wing of the Republican Party, nor did he have any ties to the Democrats. He had given kind of equally to both sides as a businessman. That's a pretty shrewd business technique, but he himself had always been a conservative Republican. Uh, but he, he also had that dimension of being larger than life. I mean, he's a very charismatic figure. He's the perfect figure for the television age. And if you think about it, going back to the primaries, they would cover his rallies on cable TV wall to wall. That's worth tens of millions of dollars for advertising time. And Marco Rubio and Ted Cruz would complain, but the, the the networks understood that people would tune in to watch Trump because he was entertaining, because he wasn't scripted. It's, you never knew what he might say. That's what made it you know, so exciting. It was like a man working without a net, whereas anything Marco Rubio said uh, you know, had been focus grouped, had been poll tested, had been roundtabled. Uh, it was all Pablo. Same thing was true of Hillary Clinton, of course. So uh, I don't think he's changed. I think he is actually a little more patient. Uh, his stamina continues to amaze me. He's always existed on four or five hours sleep a night. 
He has incredible energy for a guy his age. Uh, he's a uh, he's not exactly uh, uh, on a, a on a healthy diet, as you know. He loves fast food. Um, both his parents live to their nineties. It's really good genes, and he's he's incredibly brave. I mean, he's very courageous. You take the commutation of my sentence, for example. Many, many, many people told him not to do it. Many people said it's an election year. Stone can wait for a pardon until after the election. Well, I would have died in a COVID-19 infested prison by the time this election was over. There were over 100 cases in the prison they wanted to send me to. I appealed that both to the trial court and to the D.C. Circuit. And strangely enough, in violation of their own rules and regulations, in violation of the legal precedent, in violation, or I should say, without consideration for my age or health, uh, and in denial about the situation in the particular prison they wanted to send me to, they were trying to give me the death penalty. There's no question about that. The president, uh, as an act of mercy, as a humanitarian act, recognized that. He also recognized that I did not get a fair trial. But while we're at it, it's important to try to address this one final question. As soon as I was commuted, you had Congressman Jerry Nadlier, uh, Congressman Adam Schiff, Congressman Eric Swallowswell, uh, Hillary Clinton herself, all saying Stone maintained his silence regarding misconduct by the president in return for clemency. Gentlemen, that is a lie. There is no evidence whatsoever to support that crazy theory. Robert Mueller had three years and $30 million to try to prove that, and it is completely false. But it's just very typical of the deep state and their handmaidens in the mainstream media. They immediately start, uh, you know, recycling falsehoods. Uh, the idea that I knew about Donald Trump and kept my silence is false. What I did say, as I think you guys know, is that I refused to bear false witness against him. In other words, I refused to lie. I refused to read composed testimony they would have used as an article of impeachment against the president because it was false. They proposed that I do that in return for leniency in my sentencing, and I said no. Uh, that has become twisted to Stone had the goods on Trump, but he kept his mouth shut. That's why he got commuted. That is false. And I'm glad on to straighten that out. If you would have just given them some nonsense story, they would have taken that and run. Well, they wanted me to say that they could document that I had some 29 phone calls between me and candidate Trump in 2016, which lasted longer than a half an hour. And they wanted me to say that those pertain to Russia and the timing of the WikiLeaks disclosures. That is false. That was never discussed, not by the president, not by me. I said that under oath to the House. It was not one of the things I was charged with lying about because it's not a lie. The president denied talking to me about that when he uh, gave his under oath answers in writing uh, to the Mueller investigation. Uh, yet they, they now seek to recycle this as an entirely false narrative. Uh, the New York Times, uh, Andrew Weissman says, I should be tried again. I should be taken before the grand jury, he says. Really? He had three years to take me in front of the grand jury. Believe me, they gave me the full proctological legal examination. They could find nothing no Russian collusion, no WikiLeaks collaboration. And the claim that I lied to Congress is essentially fabricated because to violate the 
False Statements Act, you have to be lying about something material, meaning something of consequence, something that matters. The things that I was accused of making misstatements about were innocuous. They were public matters. In other words, I wasn't hiding any underlying crime. But I don't think any Trump supporter or any Republican can get a fair trial in Washington, D.C. Uh, gentlemen, I apologize, but I have to move on down the road. Let, let's do this again when you can see my smiling face. <laughs> okay. Okay, Roger. That sounds good. I'd love to uh, love to do it again in the future, have you on and have come even have, have you down here. That'd be awesome. See, that's we can definitely do that. We can definitely do it. All right, guys. Many thanks. Thank you so much for coming on. Appreciate it, Roger. Thank you. All right. Well, he was here, <laughs> sort of, and then he's gone. But uh, we will definitely have Roger. We have a whole list of questions from him that we didn't get to. Uh, some really good ones, too. Some really good ones. He missed all the rapid fire questions. Yeah, that's probably been the best rapid fire uh, ever. But yeah, it was our it was our most dramatic rapid fire. But he was in and out, and uh, and I hope to have him here at the office in the near future, and uh, in in real life, where you guys can see him. Out yeah, there. I mean, he literally lives down the road from us. Yeah, so you know. But uh, we did get to hear a little bit uh, from Roger and hear about uh, about his uh, a lot of his stuff that went on in his life and more, more specifically uh, the the Trump stuff and uh, his indictment stuff and being in trouble. Basically. Yeah, and he's been on both sides of the political, you know, oh, fences. Yeah. He's been Democratic, he's been Republican. Well, the big thing I wanted to talk to Roger. One of the things I was interested in talking about. I know you were too. Is the fact that he is you know pro gay marriage, pro choice, pro drugs. But he's also very conservative politically, so it's interesting. It's an interesting thing to to, to look at those things yeah. where where you're you're very uh, against uh, the grain on a lot of things, but yet he would definitely tell you, I'm sure that he's very conservative. But but the, some of the things, and as you're saying right here, some of the things that are, that he's done in his life don't really add up to that. So it's interesting. It would be interesting kind of duality between you know some of his beliefs versus some of his political beliefs, but. We'll talk about that in the future, I'm sure. Yeah, because obviously, you know, the political beliefs, that, that's his career, it's his job. So it's potentially different from his personal. So 100%. 100%. So um, let's see. Do we want to do uh, some Q&A or we're, we're good to go? Guys, it was obviously a very short show. For an hour and 15 minutes, shouldn't be that short a show, but it was a short yeah, show. We had uh, Roger on. Thanks, Jim. I, I'm uh, I'm excited that, uh, that he came on at all because uh, obviously when you have – Technical issues. Uh, it's probably pretty tempting because I've been. Oh yeah, really like, like, fuck it. I'm not doing it. Fuck it. Uh, and that's certainly happened to me in the past where things don't work and I'm just not doing it. No, it's too frustrating. Fuck it. Yeah. So I'm glad he. I'm glad he stayed on and was able to come on at least uh, a little bit. And then we will have him back on with his suit and everything else. His tan, I want, rosy I want to see tan, the purple hat. The more to bring the purple hat, and uh, uh. that'll be very good for the future. So next episode, is, uh, David General David Petraeus. Uh, we're super excited for that. Uh, we have a bunch of great questions for him, and uh, he's a super interesting guy, just like just like Roger Stone. So, yeah, a little different than Roger yeah, Stone. Different, different, different level, different of interesting, interesting. <laughs> uh, different interesting, but interesting. So, guys, thank you so much for watching. Uh, as usual, we appreciate your uh, your desire to hang out with us for an hour and fifteen minutes, yeah. and uh, we'll see you next week on episode number fourteen. Thanks, guys. We're out.